Jenko. What's up, Carlo? Oh, there's a lot up, Jenko. <laughs> like, the last 60 minutes, I can't keep up. It's a frenetic pace. A lot going on. Yeah, well, it's a good thing that uh, we have all these big brains in the house to help us figure it out. Welcome, everyone, to LexLine, brought to you by Carlo and Jenko in conjunction with Rug Radio, where we talk about new and emerging legal developments in Web3 blockchain and cryptocurrency law, and there are many to talk about. Nothing we talk about should be considered legal or financial advice. If you have a specific legal question, consult a lawyer privately. Don't do that on a recorded Twitter space because we record these and we will rebroadcast these in different formats. So if you come up to speak, know that you're being recorded and it will be rebroadcast. Okay. You're cutting in and out, Carlo. Is it? I'm not of sure. course I'm cutting me. in and out. I've, I'm, I'm, on the, I'm on the move today, so I'm relying on the tower service. Any better? The tower service. Yeah, actually it is. Okay, cool. So did enough what of that disclaimer? What is the latest? Well, you know, the latest is I pinned that uh, legal counsel. Apparently it was leaked by, uh, or it was reported, Scoop, top former FTX uh, lawyer ordered the exchange's staff to preserve all work documents. Latest sign of legal exposure for Sam Frank, Frank for Sam Bankman Fried's crypto empire. So it's document preservation time. Wow. Tough to know what information's real or not. Um. True. It's uh, it's an interesting dynamic here. You have two highly visible, successful people in the cryptocurrency world, billionaires who seem to be going back and forth in a battle and an apparent power struggle here. And then that relationship seems to have fallen apart and then rekindled yesterday as we saw or at least two days ago. I can't even keep up anymore. I guess it was two days ago that Binance was considering swooping in and helping to relieve what was going on with FTX. And then Binance announced that they backed out after doing a little bit of due diligence. And then the market tanked yesterday. <laughs> and now I'm trying to understand. There was... Have we... Co- co- I've been kind of working. I don't know what's been corroborated or not, but it's been reported that there was a misuse of deposits, right? And if that's the case, is there was also a report or an alleged note from Sam earlier today that said he would be doing a raise. So I don't know what how those two things can coexist. You know, it's a very complicated story. From what I can parse out, and there was a lot of help in a Reuters article that I pinned that kind of set the stage for um, how we got here, but it seems like FTX had 
used funds several months ago to bail out certain entities in the industry that were struggling, one of which I think was this Alameda. And the bailout was through these FTT tokens. And there were allegations that part of it was customer deposits, although I don't know if that's been corroborated in any way. There's been talk about this. And apparently there's, I guess, been some kind of over leveraging here, which then prompted this I fucked up message to the company's employees, which sent everything into a tailspin. I'm sorry, he told them, quote, I fucked up. That was Tuesday morning. FTX caught his employees off guard with that somber message. How this doesn't draw tons of investigators and scrutiny and lawsuits is beyond me. I think this one is, is going to have ripple effects and going to be very, very, uh, be very interesting to unpack. Yep. Can anyone make sense of it? I'll take anyone on the stage. I'm looking, I'm looking at um, these tweets about... USDT. Are you following that story at all? No, film me in. Allegations that Alameda is trying to short USDT. Um, and there's ether scans here that I'm looking at that it looks like it's happening. Um, I don't know how that even could be done. So if you're not I had more questions than facts around that. So we can save that for another time. Yeah, I think we all have collectively a lot of questions. This morning, apparently they had reinitiated trading on FTX. Um, and there was the ability to withdraw. Yeah, there was a rush to withdraw, which then I think just got shut down again. Um, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, it's like we're tracking like a storm and just getting like these bits and pieces from people. But apparently, yeah, they had initiated the opportunity for people to withdraw, which kind of sucks for the people who withdrew uh, at a tremendous, tremendous loss yesterday to sort of mitigate their damages. But now that window to withdraw seems to have closed as far as I can tell. And you've got this report of legal counsel telling people to preserve documents and lots of speculation swirling. And then you have this other layer of apparently SEC Chair Ginsler had, um, <laughs> had Sam on his calendar for meetings. And you've got a senator who's now tweeted that that was certainly a troubling um, a troubling circumstance. Um, I, I just, I, it's, it's just crazy. This is bananas. There, there's just, so, it's moving so fast. I don't know how anyone can really slow down and unpack this right now with all the incoming developments. Yeah. Understanding what's actually going on is, is difficult. Well, maybe those pieces will fall in the line. My theory, and I don't know how it plays out market wise. I'm trying to think it through, but my gut is telling me, that Sam was pretty 
for better or worse, um, pretty entangled with the Democratic Party and not the Republican Party. So I could see this. A lot of people are talking about, unless I'm wrong, maybe he had entanglements in both and a lot of smart folks do, but I, it could it could set up a dynamic of, oh, my God, there's a perfect excuse for regulation. It could set up a dynamic where some folks say that and then they step in to the quicksand where the other side says, hey, wait a second, that was your biggest donor, et cetera, et cetera. So there might be this. There might be a resistance to just like, OK, now let's go and just bring the hammer down on this industry. I think politics might get in the way of that a little bit is kind of my what I'm well, my gut right now. Yeah, apparently you got Elizabeth Warren talking about this is just another reason why we need to regulate crypto very, very tightly. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I expect a lot of talk to be. But that might be countered politically in some way. So I'm trying to understand what is the utility of this FTT token. Um, it seems to be that it's the token that enables you to trade on the FTX platform. And it was a token that was sort of spun up for that. And I'm trying to understand also the dynamic between Alameda and FTX, because they're both, um, they're both intermingled in this because apparently Alameda was bailed out by by Sam through FTT tokens. And I'm not exactly sure how that all, uh, how that all went down. I mean, it, it's just, it's so hard to, to parse this stuff, especially because it's coming in so fast and furious. And then you've got a long thread from Sam that he put out today, which, you know, goes in a hundred different directions about what's going on and what's reality. <laughs> And I can't imagine that uh, the lawyers were happy with that um, because this this would be the time to really be very careful about what you're saying publicly. Because well, of the, the lawyers aren't his. I mean, we don't know. So we can only talk about what we could talk about. So I'll try and bring it to like something that we can substantively chat about because I feel like we just don't know. Exactly. But, exactly. But one interest just just for for the folks in this room and the topic. You say the lawyers may not have been happy about that. The lawyers are the expect the lawyers in my head. The 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 FTX lawyers are their their client is the company. So if there's a potential bad actor, even if it's an executive, um, I don't know the extent of those conversations as opposed to his private counsel, right? And like you kind of have to navigate that when you're corporate counsel. Of like you don't go into damage control for us for, for Sam or tell him to, to to say something or not say something for Sam's liability sake. But it's more about the company. So that I don't know if that makes a difference on the particular thread you reference, but that was just an issue that I was thinking in times like these, especially when it's moving quickly, the council really needs to be sharp on those kind of points. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um <laughs> it's uh it's definitely going to have a it's definitely going to impact the market and it's definitely going to impact the image of this of this 
technology sector. And I don't know what the long-term ramifications of this are going to be, but I imagine this is going to get this is going to get bogged down in hearings and potentially enforcement and civil lawsuits as well. And everyone's trying to figure out also where where is the money and where where did the money come from to reopen the uh, the accounts to let people withdraw today. There are definitely more questions and answers here. We do have Ira coming up. <laughs> Ira, can you bring some clarity? I'm going to welcome you up. I, uh, I'm trying, I'm trying, but th- there's just so much coming in, man. What do you think about all this, Ira? Well, I'm still processing it. Um, and so that's my answer. We don't have a lot of the, um, the details that would be needed to, to get really, to give it a lot of scrutiny. So generally speaking, I agree with everything that you guys have said so far. This is not legal advice, again, as my disclaimer, but te- you know, the tendency here is for there to be a multi-front litigation and regulatory kind of uh, set of controversies. So the general counsel in the U.S. was likely doing what's known as a litigation hold, um, which, you know, those types of things started with e-discovery back in Web 2. And the, pre- the preservation of electronically stored information when there's an anticipation, reasonable anticipation of litigation or investigation. And so that that's almost always triggered in this form notices for that to employees. So that that was going to be an obvious one. The expectation that I have just by looking at the tea leaves is that everyone's going to be lawyering up. Um, I think Ray alluded to the fact that not only does there need to be robust corporate counsel, but to the extent, uh, Carlo, that folks may have even criminal vulnerability, they're each going to need to get their own counsel for that as well. And that's very expensive. And so there's probably conversations going on even right now about who pays for that and other funds set aside for that sort of thing. You know, when you have situations like this, where there's a disruption of folks being able to get access to their funds, and I'll use that term loosely, that alone could trigger some sort of liability or vulnerability. And so then you have a scenario where there's smoke. You've got Binance involved in this somehow. And Binance probably wisely moved away from the acquisition because they're probably trying as hard as possible to not subject themselves to more U.S. scrutiny and probably saw there was probably some U.S. vulnerability, even though FTX is trying to firewall their international operations. We saw, for example, you know, one example like with where Texas believes there may have been leaks so that the international entity was doing business in the United States. Whether that was inadvertent or not, it awaits another day. But still, nonetheless, uh, you, you know, Binance has already been un, under scrutiny for alleged money laundering and things of that nature, non-compliance. And then you have one person's maybe mitigation efforts in selling off an altcoin like FTT, 
could be another person's market manipulation efforts or unfair competition efforts or, or put your favorite legal theory in there. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to guess right now, but I'm, I'm guessing that that Binance not buying FTX and selling all or some of their FTT that act could get them, uh, you know, under the lens of someone because of the impact. Um, and there's different legal theories there. And then you have on top of all that things we don't know about what Binance's motives were and incentives were. And so I just see this thing as being, you know, a massive litigation, multi-fronts, possibly bankruptcy court in some jurisdiction or its equivalent, maybe um, personal liability for executives, maybe perhaps even potential criminal liability. And, and they're all operating on this global playing field. So it is going to be a massive payday for lawyers for e-discovery vendors and uh, globally so that's my that's my opening salvo for the morning thanks ira one thing that you didn't kind of touch on is and that that basically is a great summary off the top of my, my your head that was that covered a lot of it is there a difference you see in impact for like progress or innovation or adoption because every time there's an event like this it kind of the headlines kind of jump at the opportunity to like put crypto down is this a worse scenario because ftx was so consumer facing and like so co-branded with america's favorite brands is that going to come into play you've got you've got you've got you know and i've seen (laughs) i've seen these types of things over the years and typically it starts off with some regulator or prosecutor saying something like, you know, it's, you know, a new wine in an old bottle or an old, old wine in a new bottle, some kind of metaphor. But, you know, you heard Gensler basically lay out with great simplicity exactly what regulators, prosecutors, perhaps even plaintiffs, lawyers are thinking, which is you have a combination of customer funds, a lack of transparency, and leverage risks, and perhaps maybe arguably illegal usage of customer funds to help mitigate the internal leverage risks. And so that that creates the stew pot for controversy and for all of this. And so to answer your question, um, one person may say this is about innovation and that these folks are heroes who made terrible mistakes and they don't have a, you know, they don't have like a strategy map for how to handle this. And someone else may say this could be reduced down to five different things where even someone in grade school could figure out that you were just being bad. And so time will tell how this evolves. But I'm guessing that the need to actually close down an exchange probably is not based upon 
issues of first impression when it relates to crypto, it probably is based upon not having enough assets set aside, which is basic math, to handle your worst case scenario, which frankly is what regulation is all about having. That makes sense. Carl, you know, there's an in- well, you know, there's an interesting dance going on here that if you look at this Reuters story that I pinned, there's an interesting relationship between FTX and Binance, which goes back to six months after FTX was launched. Uh, Zhao bought 20% of the exchange for $100 million, according to people who had knowledge of the deal. And that was aimed to grow the economy together. The relationship then sort of soured and apparently um, July of that year, SBF um, got frustrated and he bought back Zhao's stake in FTX for about $2 billion. (laughs) And that was paid in FTT tokens back to Zhao and presumably back to Binance. And then it's Binance who's coming in with this liquidity crunch and offering to, I guess, buy FTX because they appeared to be vulnerable, but then quickly determined that that would not be a good move and within hours tanked that report, which sent the markets tumbling. Well, the, um, the key thing there that leaps out is the notion that the Binance folks wanted to dump the $2 billion worth of tokens that they got in that deal, which then arguably led to the confidence problem in FTT and then the subsequent run on sales of FTT, which ultimately doesn't look like they can handle. So, Absolutely right. Yeah. You know, and so that does sort of go hand in hand with the integrity of altcoins as fill in the blank stores of value, whatever you want to call it, and using that as collateral. And that's the heart of what regulators were already looking at. And to a certain extent, um, that then unfortunately puts at issue the integrity and support of almost any system that uses similar types of altcoins to prop it up. Yeah. So that's, because, that's the problem we're running into right now is a, is a crisis in confidence in the crypto. Yeah. Space. Because what happened is according to this Reuters article that after Zhao's tweet, uh, they began to sell their holdings and they sold off, uh, their entire share of the FTT token worth 580 million. And due to those recent revelations that came to light, and that sent the token price collapsing over 80%, which then triggered a massive sell-off, volumes that FTX had never seen in the FTC, in the FTT token. I mean, all of these are just major, major problematic events that really do continue the conversation of what is going on with these, <laughs> with these token offerings. Carlo, I texted you, um, FTX just tweeted a few minutes ago. I can't. It seems like they reached a deal with Tron to create some sort of ability 
for holders of TRX, BTT, JST, Sun, all those Justin, um, and HT to swap assets from FTX one-to-one to external wallets. I don't know how that would work. So basically trading one, one I, altcoin I for another? You if you can um, post it. Yeah, I'll yeah, try I'm to. to. Digest it. I don't, you know, look, uh, certainly Justin's son has been involved in this space for a long, long, long time. Um, you know, and he's a, he's had a pretty big presence in the United States as well. I just wor- I just wonder about the wisdom of him getting involved in this. Um, right now, it's too early to tell whether he's going to be a hero or basically just getting involved in quicksand. But it I'm, looks like he's only it's only yeah. for his project tokens they're looking to save. Not not like a Binance deal. Oh, uh, well. He's got hopefully good lawyers around him, but th- that <laughs> that um you know, it's you know it's kind of crazy too. I mean, look, um uh, it's statistically likely that one or more of my clients probably has a stake in something he's doing. So I have to be <laughs> super, nothing I say here is legal advice or taking a position, but, um, you know, I, I certainly have, uh, seen and heard, uh, of his company and his holdings and in, in, you know, in the, in the past. And so he's certainly a legitimate player in this space. I pinned it, Jenko. I don't know what the I don't much understand that it. I, I don't <laughs> either. I, I, it almost is like, um, you know, the house is on fire, it seems, and they're scrambling trying to find somebody to to prop up and bring some relief to maybe reassure people that that they can pivot through through this. Um, right, as that, that, looks like a, that looks like a pretty re- smart thing for him to do now that I looked at it. He's just bringing confidence. To his ecosystem, so to yeah. his assets, yeah. I, and I, then, I, I, I so it. he may have paid, or, or just kind of like said, "Hey, let's save my people's assets, get them off, and then they be they they remain." So he avoided it. it I don't know how you do that, how you strike that deal, but it, it looks kind of cool. It looks kind of interesting. Dynamic. Well, I mean, you know, to to a certain extent, without even looking at the nuances, it may not be so high that they care that the importance of trust. Ah, uh, great point. It may be there might not be a lot there, but the announcement just the same helps help exactly. with goodwill. Absolutely right. It's a de facto FDIC insurance type of thing. <laughs> exactly, and it goes back to something you've said before, and all of it. Like, like if the projects take more ownership in some of these issues that come up, the holders might like the the pinch point of protection might be the project and not kind of this third party to exchanges. Those are what, what seem to fail. But, you know, here's the thing. And this comes from someone who's probably more of a max even, you know, in terms of crypto and decentralization and what have you. But, you know, when the markets are going well, people think glowingly of the Web3 ethos or, you know, the decentralized ethos and crypto ethos. But I hate to break it to everyone, and I think we all know this, but humans are humans. There is no special ethos for anything. You've got good and bad people running corporations. You've got good and bad people running tiny companies. 
You got good and bad people in Web3. And so I know we love to run to an ethos, but the reality of it is, is that in these last days, when we've been looking towards ethos, even good people can make mistakes and do bad things. We don't know if they're evil or negligent, but we have to move away from thinking that there is somehow some magic tissue in people's brains that somehow because they're involved in Web3 versus Web2 versus big corporations versus small corporations, that they're different. And, you know, look at the royalty issue. You know, people talk about it philosophically, like it's optional or whatever. But the trustless system works great for trading NFTs, right? But when you give it a chance for platforms to not actually have a smart contract that tells them to do the right thing, to pay royalties, they decide to breach that trust and create giant platforms that don't pay the royalties because the algorithm doesn't require them to, even though they're the long night. And so what's the ethos there? So unless you actually literally have a smart contract that enforces the law online, that or a smart contract that protects people and makes the whole thing non-custodial, I don't think you could, you could rely on an ethos of trust in Web3. And so that's the sad reality of what we're all witnessing right now. What's going to ha- probably happen going forward is that people are going to put less trust in things that are custodial. Um, unless you're Charles Schwab, you know, or Goldman Sachs. And that's the sad reality of what we're seeing right now. Or maybe even Coinbase, because I, I, I feel like Coinbase has come out of this um, with an improved... I think position in the marketplace as a centralized entity, because I think they have been pretty transparent, it seems with respect to how they do business and that they're not leveraged and they're not using investor money. Sam said that in front of Congress, that it was totally transparent and he's not doing anything wrong. So yeah, he did. Coinbase, I think is positioned slightly better in the sense that they are and i think armstrong tweeted this something to the effect like they've subject subjected themselves to u.s regulations for a long time and not gone outside of that they've pushed it or they tried to do some yielding at some point and stop that program but like they are subject i think this this multiple corporation bahamas ftx us like even if in the kids bio it's like FTX US, click here. And, and, and like, at some point, like, you can only have the jurisdiction over what you have the jurisdiction in. But if, if you regulate one entity, and then they are as, you know, close to being one in the same as an offshore entity, or the, 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 the funds are commingled, or the, the power structure isn't, you know, bifurcated enough. And I think Ira alluded to like, Texas has some allegations of that. Like, that's the real problem. It's almost more insidious if there's a U.S.-based consumer-facing entity with this stuff going on in the background. So I, I, I think you're right, Coinbase doesn't seem to be involved in that stuff, but it's – Ira, what, what about Charles Schwab? Is it just the test of time? Is it FDIC insurance? Because you said something that I believe is true – 
well, you're, you're going to move away from custodial unless you're J.P. Morgan or whoever you, you, you mentioned. But then I think, well, why? For the last couple of years, Sam was J.P. Morgan to a lot of He was a folk hero to a lot of people in this space. So is it just the test of time? Because like those banks like outlived any one individual, and maybe that's what you need. I don't know. Well, first of all, on Coinbase, um, you know, Paul Graywall is their general counsel. Um, I think highly of him. Um, he was a magistrate judge in San Jose. I had, I had cases in front of him. Um, I literally argued motions in front of Paul Graywall when he was a magistrate federal judge in, uh, in Silicon Valley. Um, he, he went on to work at Facebook, and now he's Coinbase with GC, and he's super smart. But the problem with this still is that maybe the next one isn't. Um, and, and then on top of all that, um, you know, I think Coinbase may very well have the credibility leadership right now. But they're also under scrutiny by the SEC. There's headwinds. Um, we've all seen cases where some of their altcoins are being accused of being securities that they were basically trading on or transacting in, at least unlicensed securities. So there could be things where no matter how good they are, no matter how well-intentioned they are, there could still be chilling effects because they're just engaged in a risky sector. And so when there's a risky sector, the question that people have to think about is how do you balance those risks? For a lot of people, it's going to be go to Coinbase, um, trust them to their custodianship, especially if you're an institution and, you know, these, these aren't your actual funds, but a lot of people have to log in, that sort of thing. For other folks, it's going to be, you know, take the risk of getting, you know, a cold wallet and not forgetting the passwords and, and navigating the potential hacks. And it's just not a pretty place to be right now. Um, perhaps, you know, the easiest way to dabble in crypto right now is to buy one of these funds um, and bet on Bitcoin or Ethereum through a fund. And those funds are usually traded just like a regular stock. So I don't really know really where all this is leading. I do think you know, just to bring up the, the the happiness meter in this room, I do think that the underpinnings of peer-to-peer, you know, currency and and um, holders of value is a very important innovation, and it's going to continue to evolve, and it's going to play a very large role in society. I think NFTs have a very important legal and economic uh, foundation that is innovative, particularly for collectability, and is very important. And I think we are going to rise like the phoenix out of these ashes. But these lessons right now, folks are going to have to learn from them so that at least it doesn't happen on this grand scale going forward. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting too, Ira, is I'm trying, as you're talking, I'm trying to figure out what the angle is with this Tron thing. As I understand it, what is it, Justin's son? is the person behind Tron and another Uber whale in the space. And this one of one swap is not a takeover, but it is a swap of the tokens. And I'm trying to figure out what the upside is. He gets his, he gets his people's tokens out of there, 
right now there's a bunch of retail folks with they have eight to ten altcoins some eth sitting in ftx they can't withdraw it looks like justin made a deal for kind of tokens in his ecosystem and for his people who own them to get those extracted i were pointing out it may not have been a high volume but i think that cost to do that might have been enough but but again is there legal liability there like selling off people to skip the line like i don't even know the potential there justin's a, a brilliant guy um uh now i'm remembering i remember he bought BitTorrent, and he's been involved in this ecosystem for a very very long time well before even nfts were a thing and so my get and he's surrounded by smart folks. So my guess is that he's doing something to prop up the value of altcoins that affect the Justin Sun ecosystem and the Tron ecosystem. And it's probably an economically wise maneuver to provide great confidence for the holders of, of those altcoins. Fascinating the moves that are being played here. I don't I don't expect that we're going to see any crypto whale come in and swoop in and, and acquire FTX or quote unquote bail out FTX. They have customers. <clears throat> they have customers. There's some value. They have a list of customers who have signed up to buy, you know, Bitcoin or crypto or something. And and there's value there. I don't know what the books or how that, that but, works. You know, here's, but here's, are valuable assets. But here's here's the thing. So and I've been through this. So, you know, not this exact thing, but something really similar. So you have this kind of distressed asset. It's not in bankruptcy yet. Now your team's got to do due diligence to look at all the creditors and all the different headwinds. That due diligence takes a long time. And while all this is going on, you got to run your company. And then on top of all that, the people who want to get involved in a more intimate way, you know, the lawyers are saying to them, all right, everyone who writes emails, you got to preserve your emails right up front. Because if we do a deal, we're, we're all getting deposed. <laughs> okay. It's going to be like, you know, whatever deal we do will probably not be enough to, to satisfy everyone. They'll always be hecklers. So we're basically buying litigation. Even if we're not named, we're going to get subpoenaed. Oh, yeah. Lawsuits to the end of time. Right, right. And so that has a chilling effect. So you start saying to yourself, you know what? These are bad economic times. Um, you know, Justin's son did something which actually is a risk reducer, which is, which is wise. But for folks to get involved, um, can you imagine doing the thing that I know lawyers in this room would say to their clients who want to get involved? They're going to say the very most basic thing. We all can agree on this. Which assets are worthy of you buying? Well, how do you buy assets in an environment where almost any asset sale will be a fraudulent transfer, or at least arguably a fraudulent transfer, to folks who somehow aren't getting their money back? You could just simply say those three lines on a napkin and get into court and get discovery. So for me, it's like I just see this thing as being maybe an infusion of capital could work. Um, if some folks could figure out how to be super secured, but even that is, is problematic when other creditors can come in and attack the integrity of that. 
this is a very complicated situation. And unfortunately, um, maybe FTX US can come out of this still alive. But I just think that um, this, this is this is dominoes and they're starting to roll downhill. We had in the last wave, we had some attempts to bail out and to shore up liquidity. I mean, how many more crypto whale saviors are in the pipeline right now? And is it just going to have to be a domino effect of attrition and capitulation and restructuring that's going to be the path out of this? Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, it's showing that in order to compete, you have to be very compliance oriented. And if you're not, um, the invisible hand of economics would have it so you don't survive. And so folks going in the future will be more compliance oriented. It's not like a matter of like convenience or whatever. It's, um, it's a matter of survival. So that's probably what's going to be, you know, going on. I think uh, it only reinforces what an important role lawyers play in the future evolution of this sector. And I think there's going to be a real, I would say, liquidity crunch when it comes to lawyers who understand this space and are able to pile in and provide the assistance necessary when the target letters start to go out to all these different uh, individuals that are affiliated with these entities? Uh, is there going to be enough bodies to handle the, the deluge is my curiosity. Yes. And, um, and enough money to fund it. And, uh, you know, so that's, it's going to be fascinating to watch. truly is going to be fascinating to see how this unfolds. I mean, we saw a wave of class action lawsuits. Are we going to see that here from, from individuals who've been left, you know, unable to take out their, their investment in this thing? Yeah. I've already seen it coming in. Um, you know, I've already seen it coming in generally. Obviously, I'm not going to talk about specifically. But to be honest with you, my knee-jerk reaction right now would be let someone else do that because you're going into a scenario where it's a global issue and there's probably going to be some sort of liquidation or bankruptcy court issue and it's not the smoothest case for plaintiff's lawyers to handle on a contingency. I'm not completely and totally against it. Um, but right now, my guess is is that there's going to be a lot of lawyers saying no to this type of case. There may be a few who just say, forget it. We'll go ahead and go down that road. Um, it's a fascinating road. But I've done a lot of class action work in my day, and I fund it. <laughs> and this does not look super exciting from a funding perspective, from my perspective. But who knows? Maybe I'll change my mind. You're going to have I think challenges. I saw an ad. Oh, boy. You I think I saw an ad. Yeah. You're going to have challenges collecting if you get a judgment in a situation like this, especially if it goes into bankruptcy. You're going to be down the line for sure. I concur with Ira. This one doesn't seem like the best ones are when the company 
you know, does something awful, but then carries on in a very profitable way. This one is, is tough. And what's probably the better play in situations like this without casting aspersions or speculation on this particular FTX debacle is probably that you'll have regulators and investigators and prosecutors dismantling these companies and then reaching settlement agreements with respect to forfeiture and restitution to any victims, which probably would be pennies on the dollar for what they lost, but it'd be some kind of, some kind of, uh, and, and this is across the board with all these massive, uh, collapses that we're seeing if they do rise to the level of criminal prosecution i think the superiority of a government forfeiture lien and a government restitution order from a federal judge would certainly trump a judgment in a class action or civil case well wouldn't the restitution go to those folks though it would it would go to the victims who come forward yeah Mm -hmm. but here's the thing um and i also mean this goes to sam as well as others, the question would be, are they going to be left with any assets personally? The, the, the dilemma, and it could be spelled run to bankruptcy court in a favorable jurisdiction, but, and again, automatic stays, so you don't have to burn money on litigation, but criminal cases are another story. They pierce that. But then you also have the rule, and this is, again, not legal advice, but the general rule for bankruptcy is you don't get a discharge if somebody's willful and malicious. Exactly. Intentional torts are not an out. Yep. Right. So we don't know the full extent. If it's an accident, that may be a very viable path. But if somebody has emails lying around or evidence that it's willful and malicious, that they knew that the $2 billion worth of coin was basically on a house of cards, and if it got scrutinized, it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be um, upheld through that scrutiny. So maybe optically you could say certain things about assets, but you know or should have known that it's ultimately flimsy. These are the things that will come out. And But if they have a scenario where this is not willful malicious and they can get a discharge and protect Sam and everyone, then it could be very well be that you run to bankruptcy court. Uh, again, it's hard when you don't have admitting venue in the United States You have to go to another jurisdiction that's favorable and then you get the automatic stay and you consolidate all the creditors. And that may be a wonderful place for this entire thing to be handled. So you don't have balkanized disputes all over the globe. I guess we'll have to just stay on top of this one and see what comes. Um, Great conversation. Ira, thanks for jumping up. I know we can only speculate at this point and we don't have enough information to really make any concrete conclusions, but it certainly is um, a setback, I think, generally for the space to see something like this go down. It's going to draw a lot of attention that really isn't helpful right now in this climate of regulation and uncertainty. So, Jenko, I guess to be continued on this one, right? To be continued, everyone stay safe. I hope everyone wasn't too impacted directly with their funds on, on the exchange. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep a close eye on this and keep speaking about it. Yeah, that's a good point to make because Thanks, I think Ira. at the end of the day, people people have been hurt here and have lost money. And uh, people are going to be really, really obviously 
challenged right now. So our hearts go out to those people who have been hurt by this. And, and, and I hope that, that it comes to some closure and in, it, it helps those people. Thank you to everyone who joined us, especially for Ira to come up and speak. Jenko, always a pleasure doing this with you. And we'll be back at it again tomorrow. Who knows what's going to happen as soon as we shut this space. Thanks, Carlo. Peace, everyone. Have a great day.